Hey guys, this is Sharad. Welcome to We Simply Podcast. Excited to have Paul Tucampo on this podcast. I know he does a lot of cool things. So, you know, I want to jump into it and learn from him. Paul, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on, Sharad. Yeah, thank you for taking time, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where do you live? What is it that you do? You know, let's just uh, jump right into it. Yeah, yeah, let's jump into it. I'll give you my background too. So I assume we're here to talk about copy and follow-up marketing and all that. So uh, my background, so I live in, to answer your question, I live in uh, North Idaho, Coeur d'Alene. I, I, I used to live down where you're, where you're at right now, which is uh, Chino or Southern California in general. So I got started like everybody Back in 2015 with Rich Dad Poor Dad, which ex- escalated to bigger pockets and all that rabbit hole of wholesaling, direct mail, you know, doing everything under the sun, find deals out in Southern California, doing door knocking, cold calling, all that stuff. Then I experiment. I shifted into mobile home, flipping mobile homes uh, into notes, mainly what's called Lonnie deals. It was kind of a nobody was really doing it, and I learned about it, tried it, and it was it was really profitable. So I did a few deals in that, and then land flipping, and then uh, land flipping, I. I was my most consistent venture. So I did a lot of land flipping back back there. Not a lot of people were doing it back then and um, created a little volume business back then too. At the same time I was doing all that, I was also a copywriter by kind of as a side side hustle, I guess you say, fell into it on, on accident. I was uh, still doing all this as working at W-2. Uh, I've worked for SoCal Gas. I was a foreman for pipeline construction. I was a welder, um, all that, drove trucks, knuckle dragger, dug holes, all that good stuff. But I was also flipping land. I was writing copy for for Carrot as well. They were, they were one of my first clients. And uh, all these little random freelance copywriting gigs I was doing. And then uh, I quit I quit my W-2 job about 2020. I went full into, full into actually freelancing because... The money was there. It was just a time with money kind of thing, kind of the time versus money. It allowed me to have the same kind of income with much more reduced hours of, of work. Then after that, I created a little a little offer, a little service for investors, which I kept seeing people asking me to do this, which, which was creating follow-up drip sequences or uh, I, I like to call it systems because it's more like systems rather than just a, a, a couple of sequences here and there, but creating this, the custom-based type of sequences for, for investors. Got it. Yeah. You know, everybody knows that money is in the follow-ups. Are you still doing any investing or you're just primarily focused with helping other investors with setting up, you know, follow-up systems? Yeah. As far as investing goes, I've taken more of like a armchair approach, lending money. As far as building, sustaining a volume business... I put that to the side. It was one of those things where, which, well, what is it that, what was getting to my revenue faster and what, what did I enjoy the most? As far as land flipping, it's great as far as profitability goes, but it was one of those things where I realized it was going to take me like five years to get to, I was flipping cheap vacant land. It was going to take me like five years to get to where I wanted. And I just hated, <laughs> I just to be, to be like Frank, I really hated doing it. Uh, I really hated every aspect of it. Uh, the only thing I really enjoyed is writing an email to my buyer's list. That was the only thing I really enjoyed doing. And I did it in a different way than most what most people do in land flipping. So then I put it aside and went full full force with helping investors with this offer with uh, with my service called Omnidrip. So what, what is it that you notice, you know, you're working with tons of investors, helping them set up these follow-up systems. Is there anything you notice with the investors that are consistently getting deals versus the one that are struggling to get deals? I'm going to say this, everybody's always hears, but... Um, the ones that I work with that are really doing well, for, for one, on in their in their lead funnel, they're getting. I can only comment about like what I see inside of their CRM. When I set up these sequences, some clients will 
we'll talk about how they're getting a lot of dead weight type of responses, meaning people who are confused about their about getting a text message or, you know, uh, cussing them out or telling them to go off the list. Well, that's indicator that they're getting really bad quality leads from, from to begin with. So that's number one is, is the quality of leads that are coming in. Uh, second, I mean, you, you, go, you hear this all the time, so I'm just going to repeat it, but it's fundamental. It's just the guys are just working the leads that are actually, I input the system for them and they're actually working as a system. They have a way of, a way of doing it and they're consistent about this person goes in this sequence, goes in this bucket, speed the lead is a thing in their, in their um, organization. So I'd say it's just a matter of how consistent they're working, uh, actually working their system, working their sequences and working their leads. And then do you notice the investors that you're working with? Is it calling the leads versus sending SMS versus sending direct mail as a follow-up or email? Is there one that you notice tends to work better over other uh, follow-ups or is it just doesn't matter, follow-up, whatever you're comfortable with? So uh, that's a really good question. As far as like, how, what do I know what's working best? Is it SMS, email? I don't think there's a uh, there's a direct answer for that. There's just not enough data to say people respond to SMS best. I, I would if I were to take a guess though, just looking at what people show me, most of the time they're responding to a SMS directly, or maybe they got a missed call and then they and then the seller texts them afterwards. That doesn't mean though. Now I I want to like because I I today yeah, marketing is my bread and butter. Like I manage market people not just inside of investors. I don't, I don't just deal with investors and, and I deal with, with, um, as you know, you know, coaches and other and, and SaaS products and, uh, print shops and all that. So on a marketing side of things, it's not like just one of those, if somewhere, if, if we were to see, okay, emails are working best, I wouldn't say, okay, let's shut off SMS. I think that'd be dumb because everything is working in, in cohesiveness together. The, the seller still seeing the emails that are helping sell because how I have, what we deliver is not just, Hey, are you still looking to sell over and over? It's, it's helping investor bring his brand up with credibility, bring up the benefits of re of, of what a cash offer is. Right. Cash offer means all kinds of different things. So I'm bringing up um, different features and benefits that a cash offer is going to bring to that seller, depending on where they're at. Because there's a whole, I mean, like when I, earlier I said, there's a whole system of this, how how I approach all marketing systems, whether it's in, for an investor, whether it's for e-commerce, whatever, whatever it is, I first have to look at what's the journey that prospect and lead is going to take. What hap- What are the little sales we have to make, right? And investing, it's, we get the lead, they say, yes, I want to, uh, I want to hear what your cash offer is. The next sale we have to make is an appointment. Well, that's there's a bucket for that. There's a sequence for that. There's a call to action for that, right? So the the, ne- the call to action is not asking, um, let me buy your house. The call to action is let me get you to the appointment. Let, let let's let's have you see the offer first. If they miss the appointment, that's a that's a bucket. If they say no because your offer is too low, that's a that's another bucket. All these buckets represent what we can say with the best, the best wording we can say, the next call to action, et cetera. So kind of went on a tangent there, but what, I don't know if that answered your question. No, no, I, I, I love, actually, I love that answer. You know, it's not, I think a lot of time, you know, when you get initial response from seller, like the most important goal with that lead is to get the property under contract. And I think a lot of investors tend to just focus on that. I like the idea. I like your approach that you're just taking it incrementally. Like when you get a lead, your next sale is just to get an appointment. Don't focus on getting the property in the contract. Just focus on getting that appointment. I think that's really key because it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't make you come across so desperate that he just want to sign the contract. You're missing everything else. 
I think you have to go as fast as the seller wants to go. Right. It, it, it's qualification. It's steps. It's mini sales. We call it marketing. I, I'm, I'm like an analogy to this is um, I, I, I'm in a martial arts. I used to do Kung Fu when I was younger. To get to like if, if you're an MMA and UFC, you, to get to a certain place, you know, to get to a submission, for example, you don't you don't just wrap your hands around and put them in a choke, right? You, you got to you have to set yourself up. There's all these little little processes you have to do first to get to that point. You know, you have to take them down. You got to get in guard. You got to get into mount. You got you got to get in their back. So it's the same thing. I mean, we're not like it, it, it's it's an easier sale to make when you're asking when you're when you're just telling asking them, do you just want to see the offer? It's an easier, softer sale to make than than let's go buy your house, right? So yeah, everything is little mini sales along the way. But not only is that better for like for for the words you use and your process and your own system, but it's also good for your for your mindset. Uh, I, I've seen people struggle cold calling, for example, and uh, really voice their frustration, saying that they can't find a deal cold calling. But that's that's a completely wrong mindset. You're not looking for a deal when you're cold calling. You're, you're just looking for a seller, and then you take that seller and you put them into a net, another bucket. You you put them into your CRM, and okay, these these are now leads, and then you have to move them over to the appointment, and et cetera, et cetera. So when you're prospecting, door knocking, cold calling, whatever it was, you're just looking through the hay to find find that needle you can take and do something with that, right? So that's that's my take for my always has been my take for marketing and sales. So no, no, absolutely. Let me ask you this. So you know. A lot of leads that you get, I say, you know, you send out direct mail, you get people calling in and saying, Hey, I got a postcard from you. You make me an offer. And then a lot of time these sellers just like disappear on you, right? They're just, they're missing. Uh, I have this lead. They called me. They said they were interested. Now, you know, they're not able, we're not able to get in touch with them. What language are you using? Like, how would you go about getting that seller back? into the, you know, yeah. into engaging with us? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's a combination of different things. But for one, I, that happens a lot, not because I think that just happens to the human nature. I happens to me when, when as a business owner, and I have an urgent task to do, you know, and I send I delegate that to somebody, they're working on it, and they send over a question for me. I've already put that task on the back burner and I have other fires to put out. I think sellers deal with the same thing. There's something that urges them to inquire about your offer, your cash offer. They do it, but then other, I, I see this all the time in the messaging. Like when, when, when they've ghosted and they've respond back to, Hey, sorry, I had other things to deal with. Happens with humans all the time that whatever urge gave them that initial, whatever emotion gave them that initial urge to respond is now gone. It's not priority anymore. So one thing I would do, first of all, I think that it's not so much the exact language. It's, it's about showing up. There's this idea of um, friendly familiarity in, in marketing. It's where you're you're showing up as like that friendly. There's this old school admin, direct response admin that put it, this in analogies that if you're, if you're an old, this is the 1930s, if you're an old insurance man, uh, you sell insurance and you show up at the same bus every single day to go to work. You see the same people. They know that on that bus, you sell insurance. Um, you become trusted more often. You, every day you become a, a person of trust, a person that you can go to to go buy insurance from. So the idea of me doing follow-up marketing is not so much um, the same thing asking for the pitch of, hey, let's, let's, um, let me buy your house. Uh, it's, it's more so giving value almost in every in every email, um, voicemail script, or call, or email, and what I mean by giving value, it could be it could be like I mentioned earlier, uh, sending off a, a a benefit that that your cash offer does for them. 
right? It could be, um, there's a message that gets sent, that gets sent out that uh, talks about how construction fees are going up, but we can buy it with as is, no repairs needed, right? So not, not a huge, I mean, it's not like, um, for us, we take it for granted. Of course, cash means as is, but a lot of people don't think about that or resonates with them. So if they're in a situation, we do this with ballpoint, for example, or a ballpoint marketing. So I know you guys do a lot of ballpoint marketing uh, mailers. So we developed the postcard sequence where I picked out seven, um, seven different benefits or reasons why somebody would sell or what, what the cash offer solves for them. And each postcard ha has one of those and that's it. We don't, we don't stuff the postcard with all these million and one ways that cash offer is going to, is going to win or is, is going to help you just one benefit that's important today in today's market. And some people are going to respond to the as is because their house is a hoarder's house. Um, some people are going to respond to the no commission because they want a higher offer uh, or more money in their pocket, right? So, so all these there's all these little benefits and features. So I'm going to hit them with, in the follow-up, I'm going to hit them with these di different benefits and features. I might send an email that um, talks about, actually tells them what are the top rehab items today in today's market. I'm actually telling them, hey, this is what you need to get top price in your market. I'm going to send them credibility emails or, or messages, meaning if you know, people are looking for assurance that you're not a scam. So I send them to seller reviews, right? I think that's a or credibility packet, right? Ryan Dossie does, does that a lot, the credibility packets. Send them over to something that shows that, hey, people are actually doing business with you, that you're actually local, they're actually, you're, you're actually real business. So I, I kind of was a long-tailed answer to your question. Like, what is the wording I use? For one, it's, it's, just, it's just friendly familiarity of being that trusted brand. So um, always giving them value almost, almost every time. And there's, yeah, I do ask if they're still, I still want to get them to respond, right? So we have humor messages in place. I have, I have certain humor messages to get an LOL. Um, even if it's just that, that's later on in the sequences. I have, uh, I have just simple questions as well. So I don't, I don't neglect those. I want them to respond, right? So uh, I, I, it's a mixed bag of all kinds of different, uh, different things. And a lot of times they respond to something very random that I think, it wasn't the message in of itself. It was just that you were showing up. So right. that, that's, that's my answer to that. Yeah. So my question to you is, you know, you mentioned it was about showing up. So if you had to choose between, let's say you're sending direct mail to a list, right? It could be text, but I just pick direct mail to a list. You're sending direct mail to a list. You have a choice of either sending three postcards that hit, you know, kind of you mentioned hits each pain point goes in depth, right? in depth with that, like very well written, like very good copy. So you have a list of thousand, you could either send three postcards every other month, right? Do that. Or you have this average postcard, nothing fancy, just says, hey, we buy houses, you know, house wanted. I'm, I'm sure, you know, you know what kind of talking about, very generic postcard. And you can either send three of these very well written, or you could send six of the same postcard every month, which would you pick? Is it the consistency that's more important or is it like very well-written copy and less quantity? Uh, yeah, I, I see what you're asking here. Um, first off, I wanna say that I'm probably not, uh, yeah, I'm not the expert in like in that, in this field, as far as, uh, as far as direct mail testing and all that, I've done my own direct mail, my own direct mail. Oh, no, it, you, could, you could apply to anything like, you know, yeah. it could be, a very well-worded text message versus just 
sending the same text message. Hey, I'm still interested in buying your house. I'm still interested versus, you know, kind of what you have. You have very, very well-written text messages. What's more important? The question is what's more volume or, or the quality? The quality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I would say volume is probably more important, right? Volume would be more, more important. Uh, I think when you, yeah, then you have to start asking the question is my quality or content hurting because I'm sending so much volume, right? Because there's like, if you're, if you're doing text messaging, cold text messaging, for example, and you're doing volume then uh, you know, with testing, you, you can only really test with a lot, lots and lots of volume anyway. So um, I would say start with a lot of volume and then narrow down to getting your quality right. So. Right. And as you, you know, you've been helping investors for a few years now, as the market is shifting, you know, we're in this era of like very high interest rate and also, all these regulations around sending cold text messages, kind of what you have seen change with marketing for real estate investors over the last two or three years. And where do you see marketing going for real estate investors? You know, looking six months to a year out, you know, you'll say, hey, if you want to be successful, like start focusing on this. Have you kind of curious about your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, this is just my my opinion, not, not so much like factual, because again, like I'm not so much in the market sending out I don't, I don't have, I'm not doing an $80,000 budget. I'm not for, for a marketing budget for people. So, you know, I'm not in the weeds looking at that data. So this is just my opinion, not so much factual, but my, my opinion is that not much changes as far as what strategies are going to be used. Obviously SMS is going to change all you. I mean, you've been, you've been front lines on that as far as the regulations of cold text, text messaging, that obviously has to change. We have to shift to there. Um, so prices might, you know, if, if depending on how many people are, were doing cold messaging and how many people like pivot over to other avenues, pricing of those those mark those, those marketing strategies might change. But I don't think it changes much except for maybe the wording you use. So when I say the wording is like, so Ryan and I have done this quite a bit, you know, like back in two or three years ago when cash offers was pretty plentiful, you can get cash offers anywhere on the MLS. If your messaging is really wrapped around the whole cash, the whole cash thing, then it's not less, it's not just, it's a lot less valuable. It's not, just doesn't stand out very well. So when he did it back then was we would do like no, you know, realtor fee, no realtor fees, uh, commission free type of messaging. Um, I mean, it does, it means the same thing, right? It means the same thing as cash, but uh, or direct direct to seller, but I mean it catches the eye a little better for to get an initial response. So I, what I would say is what changes is more what happens in the market that where what is it in your offer that attracts better. So if days on market getting larger, less buyers, or uh, just taking longer to sell, then something is that that it that shows that you're gonna buy it in X amount of days, and that's gonna be a lot more beneficial um, and a lot more appealing to to sellers. So that's that's my opinion on that. All right. No, absolutely. I think I think the more you can tailor your message to kind of what's going on in the market, you know, especially like with people struggling with, you know, high interest rate, for example, like a lot of people had taken, you know, five year, seven year loan, you know, a few years ago. And now as they're getting adjusted at a higher interest rate, if you can appeal to those people, you know, if you like when we had COVID scare, you know, if you're sending messages related to that, uh, I think that definitely gets better response but yeah i mean like for us you know when we have investors come to us and say hey what marketing should i do should i do direct mail cold calling ppc our response is if you're not sure what marketing you should do you should do the one that you can stick with the longest i think at the end of the day you know you'll agree that everything works at the end of the day it just you have to stick with it long enough is that something you noticed also absolutely Uh, i think that's 100 um the rules and principles of 
that in marketing for in, investing works the same all around. I think it, it's also what you have a budget for to start off with. I think a lot of people, you know, saying that you got to have an idea of, of what each channel is going to ask of you from the beginning. Each channel is going to have different ROI, but I don't think that's a, a necessarily, hey, that's a bad thing. I think ideally what you want to be is you have multiple channels going on. We've seen in marketing is that when you start adding these different channels, things go up. When you start spending more, actually, sometimes when you start spending more, your ROI increases exponentially. And that's and that's just because it's a matter of exposure. More people are going to be seeing you, talking about you, agent, the agent's going to... Gonna, uh, and it's just a matter of also you doing more deals. Um, agents are gonna are know about you in the market. They're gonna talk about it to somebody else. They're gonna refer you, etc. So just the more stuff you have out there, the more exponentially it's gonna work in your favor. Um, and it's and that's not measurable. That's the thing. Those things are not. You can't you can't really track that stuff. I'm, I'm direct response at heart. What direct response means is like everything is tracked. Everything is measured. But in today's age, it, it's. it's I remember hearing a talk from the guy who does, who's a marketing guru over there at, at Pro Acne Cream. He's a he's well known in the in the whole direct response marketing um, genre, and he was talking about they, they got to a point where they they don't know where where their customer comes from anymore because they don't know if they if they clicked the the email because they saw the ad on TV or they heard the radio or they put the email aside and they looked at one of their cards and they put it down later and they saw a TV. So they, it's just hard to track everything now. Uh, and um, ideally that's where you want to be because what you see in the long run is um, obviously for, you know, most, most investors are going to be starting out. They're probably only doing one or channel. So what I'm talking about here is at a higher level, but ideally that's what you want to, you want to get to is, is where you're not worried about how this this marketing channel costs me three thousand uh, dollars per uh, uh, per deal. This one costs me four thousand. Therefore, I'm going to shut off the four thousand one dollar one. That's not what you. That, that's not how it works. Everything works. In, it's like the rising every all the the rising tide lifts all boats in this case. So sure. no, that's a great that's a great answer, man. All right, man. Shifting some gears there. What do you do for fun? <laughs> what I do for fun. <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, I'm trying to figure that out too. <laughs> I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure that out for myself. Um, well, I got four kids, so uh, I, I try to. They? They're uh, three, six, six, eight, and ten. So oh, cool. yeah. yeah, they're Let's really keep you yeah. very busy. Yeah, so that yeah, so try to yeah get involved with them a little more often. I mean, so I, I love where I live now. So I try to get out and and get out to the lake and. To downtown and hang out over there. I've been actually. I mean, I I enjoy reading too. I try to get as much re reading as I can. I just I, I just love reading books. And so one thing I'm in. I, this isn't talked about a lot in real estate, but in real estate investing. Uh, but I've been actually diving into um, stock analysis and stock investing, just because right. I've been fascinated with the way Warren Buffett. I just I, I don't know. I've been fascinated with Warren Buffett lately, and been reading his bio, and then reading how he does things, how how he analyzes. It, I don't see it much different than real estate, how, how they analyze businesses and how they buy these assets. So, so I've been, I've been diving into that and learning, learning how, how he's doing that. So, yeah, that, so yeah. I'm not, keep so me, not a, I'm not out keep surfing. Me posted on any awesome stock tips that you come across. All right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah that, who knows when that will be. That's more, I, I treat it as a hobby because yeah. um, I don't want it. I know that stock analysis is, is a business of itself. So I can get carried away with doing too many, having too many, um, 
they say pumpkin vines, right? I, I think there's, there's an analogy I heard from Carrot. Multiple pumpkins, you got, and if you have too many pumpkins snipping or uh, growing, all of them are going to be dwarf pumpkins. So you got to snip some of them off. So I treat it as a hobby, not as a business. I, I'm i a big believer in the one thing, um, I, the one thing principle, the one thing book, right? So, so really putting that to heart every single week, making sure that whatever tasks I have is on the one big theme to grow my own business or whatever goal I have. And that's when I focus on what's the one task, et cetera, you know? So yeah, I'm not, that's, I don't have a whole lot of fun stuff that I do besides hanging out with my kids, hanging out in downtown, uh, jujitsu. I do jujitsu as well. I guess that's another, I, I should have mentioned that, but that's, that's what I do for fun as well. So nice. All right. Yeah. You mentioned some books there. What's the one book that's been most influential in your life? It could be business or personal. It doesn't matter. Oh man. I always, I always hate answering these questions because there's like, um, I guess, um, because it, you can uh, name more than one. If, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, if, yeah. so I, I like, um, so here's, here's, I think what a lot of people will benefit from. I, I like reading biographies actually of great men. And I learned that from an old email marketer by the name of Ben Settle, who reads a lot of uh, biographies. And so I think a, and I, and they're, they're a drag to read. I get it. So I, I they're, they're long and they can be boring because they go into sections that you don't really care about. But if you can dive into the life of John D. Rockefeller, I think it's a really fascinating person to, to follow and read and on a business standpoint, to read how he did business, how his character uh, running a business, how he was so, you know, some of the top business people, Carnegie, Rockefeller, Ford, they were really mindful of, of accounting. They started off as bookkeepers and accountants. Um, and so they're really, I can't think of another word, but anal about costs, uh, about expenses and costs and minimizing that, keeping a profitable margin. And I think a lot of investors, especially ones I've, I've worked around, that is, that's kind of put to the side and it's about growth and growth and more revenue, be more deal flow, more deal flow. But sometimes the profits right, right in front of you, it's right in front of you. You just can't see it because you have too, too many expenses that have piled up. So that's, that, those are some, some read biographies. I think those are great. They're just a drag. There's some podcasts out there. I think the founder is a podcast that he actually breaks down some of these and makes it into a 30 minute uh, audio of, of that book. So um, they're out there, but uh, I'm a big Dan Kennedy fan, fanboy as far as marketing, go, marketing books go. So for people who are doing dispo or who are doing selling to cash buyers, I, I, I recommend the book uh, marketing to the affluent by Dan Kennedy. Um, because at the end of the day, cash buyers are the affluent. So you're selling to them. So get, getting into their psychology, getting in their world, they're no different. They're no different than any other. They're not aliens. They're, you know, they're, they're like any other affluent class. So, you know, getting in touch a little better with them. So that's, those are the two things I recommend for books. Awesome. Man. If you could spend a day with anyone dead or alive, who would you want to spend the day with and why? That's a really good question. I'd say Albert Einstein. I have a picture right here of him. That's why I bring it up. I'm reading his biography. Um, and why would I, why would I spend a time with him? He's, uh, I, I'm big into knowing yourself, you know, taking your personality, taking every personality test out, almost every personality test out there, PI and all, and all that stuff. And, and uh, I, uh, Merton uh, Briggs Meyer, Myers Briggs, I should say. He's, falls in the same kind of category as me, sort of. I'm not saying I'm a genius like him, um, in, 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 especially in math. I'm not a genius in math, but uh, I would spend time with him because I'm just fascinated with the topic of physics and science. I, I'm kind of, I kind of geek out on that stuff. So I would just spend some time just because I'm, I'm reading his book right now, kind of fascinated by it. So it's awesome, man. How can someone who's listening to this podcast get in touch with you? 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so they can head over to my site. They can get samples and a demo of how all this follow-up marketing works at reiomnidrip.com, omnidrip.com. And they could hit me up from there. Uh, so if they have any questions about anything, just send, send it to me. I'm going to always ask them to get on the email list because a lot of times my my auto flows answer those questions. I'll try to answer the best I can. So awesome, man. And we'll put all that information in the show notes uh, for anybody. Yeah. Awesome, Paul. Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Uh, it's been really great. Thank you for sharing information and experience, you know, from your perspective uh, on kind of what you're noticing working for real estate investors. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you for having me on.